Hi, this is Jennifer Gaskin. And this is Giselle Rivera Flores. And this is Don't Don't Touch Touch My My Podcast. Podcast. The show where we delve into the complexities of diversity, inclusivity, and what it means to be a Latin and Black woman in America. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of Don't Touch My Podcast. Today's topic is the third in our series on education. Student loan debt is a form of debt that is owed by attending or graduating as a student from a educational institution, a post-secondary educational institution. The lent amount is often referred to as a student loan or the debts may be owed to the school or the bank if the student has dropped classes or withdrawn from the school, or even if the student has graduated and is underemployed. Withdrawing from a school, especially if a low-income or no-income student has withdrawn with a failing grade, could deprive the student of the ability of further attendance by disqualifying the student from financial aid. Student loans also differ in many countries in that the strict laws regulating, renegotiating, and or including them in bankruptcy. Due payments may be retroactively penalized for services rendered by the school to the individual, including room and board. The UK and the United States are the countries where people carry the largest student loan debt. The average college debt among student loan borrowers in America is $32,731, according to the Federal Reserve, minus three times that, by the way. This is an increase of approximately 20% from 2015 to 2016. Most borrowers have between $25,000 and $5,000 outstanding in student loan debt but more than 600,000 borrowers in the country are over 200,000 in student loan debt, and that number may continue to increase. Giselle, what are your thoughts? (laughs) Honestly, my brain is fried just listening to this. (laughs) Seriously. Because we talk about the student loan debt situation. We've been talking about this for years now. This is what they consider a polarizing conversation or topic and where one side is disproportionately against canceling student Mm -hmm. loan debt. And I think a majority of Americans are actually in favor of canceling student loan debt because it does reap benefits overall to society. Now, when I think about, Jen and I have joked about this in other episodes, when you hear President Joe Biden say, I'm going to cancel and I'm going to cancel 50,000, Jen and I laugh and we go, okay, but we still owe you money. We still owe money. Like it's not, for some odd reason, I think people think that college and getting that education is actually cheaper like people are exaggerating the amounts are like, oh, no, you can't no, process. It's even to attend like UMass Boston or anywhere in the UMass network or any of our state universities as a resident of Massachusetts, you're easily racking up $30,000 in debt in one year. Oh, 100%. My my sister attends Suffolk University in Boston, and that's a private school. Yeah. And her entire tuition for the year is $42,000. And at that, she doesn't even live on campus. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. For the year. I attended a private college. I attended Curry College. So again, easily in one year without room and board, 
my debt is going to be $30,000. And we're not even counting in like books and supplies. And like you said, your sister doesn't live there. So now she's driving back and forth. That's $20 gas. parking every day. Yeah, paying for park. And again, this is, you know, like we talked about on the last episode, education has always been billed as the way out of poverty. If you get educated and you get all these degrees and Giselle and I always tease about like certificates, I'm going to get a certificate for this or that. They tell you that if you do all these things, that it's going to put you in a position where you're going to be able to pay these loans back. But they don't tell you that, number one, your loan payment is going to be equivalent to a mortgage payment. And number two, it's going to go on for the next like 40 years of your life. And then they wonder, you see these conversations like the Washington Post or some of these news publications have articles surrounding conversations that are just to me some really ignorant oh this population the new generation they're having less kids yeah no they shit. can't they can't afford they to can have barely kids. afford to pay their own student loans you right they're living with mom in the basement so you they see, can pay student loans exactly you see the conversation oh people aren't buying homes we have a lower percentage of first-time home buyers than we did back in because 15, they 20 consider years ago. your student loan debt as part of your debt to income ratio when you get a po- approved for a mortgage. A thousand percent. But what you don't see is that astonishingly, black women and brown women, Hispanic women, hold the most oh, degrees yeah. and the most debt in the most debt, which then puts us back in this weird cycle and where we're saying, okay, like you said, we need to get. And education, as far as we can go, mm-hmm. has been taught the further you can go, yeah, the better yeah, off you are. Yeah, yeah, you're supposed to want to get like a PhD Keep out going. Yes, keep going. And so we do that. We achieve these milestones. And for many of us, it takes us a really long time because we're not traditional students. There's no one to really tap into for aid or help mm-hmm. or finances. We're doing it on our own, which I feel like kudos to everybody who's doing that because that's real work there. But we do those things and then we get to a point in our lives where we say, okay, now I want to have a family. Now I have a career. I have a family. I have an education. Oh, but you have to stay in that apartment. You can afford a house. There's just all of these weird extra factors that go into play. It really isn't just about achieving a certain level of education or having the ability to get educated, get a job, and then simply repay back our loans. Because the other thing is, while we hold the most degrees and the longest degrees, we're also disproportionately taken out of positions that can help pay back those loans. So we're not in positions of CEO. We're not in the C-suite. We're not in executive director positions. We're starting at the bottom of the totem pole. And not many people coming out with a PhD or a master's are doing that. So among 2016 graduates, nearly 40% of the black students left college with more than $30,000 or more in debt compared to the 29% of white students, 23% of Hispanic students, and 18% of Asian students. Additionally, 86% of all black students graduated that same year with the debt of any amount compared to 70% of white students, 67% of Hispanic students, and 59% of Asian students. Black households are more likely to hold student loan debt than white households, explains Persis Yu, a policy director and managing counsel at the Student Borrower Protection Center. He went on to say that black students rely on student loan debt to a higher percentage than their white peers, as well as take on more debt 
than their white peers. That's at least in part because black student parents tend to have lower total incomes. And 49% of black students' parents made less than 35,000, while 69% of white students' parents made more than 70,000. So to put it simply, black borrowers both acquire more debt and due to wage and employment inequities in labor market are in more precarious positions when it comes to their ability to repay. 20 years after starting colleges, white borrowers' median student loan debt fell to about 6%, whereas the median black borrower still owed 95% of their loan. This is 20 years later. I remember during the pandemic, there was some kind of special on TV, and it was a 70-year-old woman who still was paying her student loans. Oh God. And all I just kept thinking was, oh, my God, I don't want to be her. But the reality is I probably will. Yeah, and then you start to think these things are being held against you, too. So Jen mentioned when you look at purchasing a home, they look at your debt. When you have 60, 70, 80, 100, $200,000 in debt, that's a lot of debt mm-hmm. that they're going to weigh against you. And they're going to say, you're actually not in a financial position because you actually right, only make you owe, right, right. So you got to pay these student loans. You have to pay them down. Yeah. And yeah. by the time that happens, so that way you're in a good position, you're actually not in a good position because that's right. taking you so long right. to get something that you should have had years ago. And the average mortgage is what, a 30-year mortgage? So who the heck wants to be taking out a 30-year mortgage at 55 or 60? Why would you do that? It's just... It's silly. So there was another quote in this particular article that talked about black borrowers and really student loan borrowers overall not making enough income to really be able to repay their student loans on a 10-year standard repayment plan. So basically, they're setting you up for failure. They are setting you up for failure. And I have a few more stats to go with that. So as we all know, what I just said before is a thousand percent correct and where we are the most educated community, yet we are astonishingly shut out of positions that can get us to the payments that we need in our lives to get us ahead. In 2020, the median weekly earnings for someone, and this is going to go to someone with a high school diploma, let's start there, is $619. So I don't know about you guys. Wait, but you said weekly or monthly? Oh no, weekly. Oh, so okay. for someone who only has a high school diploma, they earn $619. This is a median weekly earning. For those with some college but no degree, the number is 877. For those with a bachelor's degree, 1305. The number continues to grow for master's recipients with 1545, professional degrees, 1893, and doctorates at 1885. For me, the biggest struggle here for me to see is that in a week, There's only a difference of maybe $400 between someone with a little bit of college and no degree and someone with an actual bachelor's degree. You're only making an extra $300 a week and you're only taking home an extra $150. Yeah, and your student loan is $800. How does that work out? How does that work out, Jennifer? The math isn't mathing. No, (laughs) the math isn't mathing. I like that. It's not. It doesn't make any sense. So if you want us to be educated and you want us to go out and achieve all these great things, you're going to have to pay us for it. Like That's where it is. I think that's where it comes down to. And they, they say women in general, like we're not as strong in terms of negotiating for ourselves or advocating for ourselves. And I think that that goes back to the fact that when we are strong and we are advocating for ourselves, we're called the B word or aggressive, right? Or we're aggressive or 
for women of color, it's we're the angry black woman or we're angry or we're unprofessional or whatever, and never really taking accountability for the behavior that came before. So it's really, it's tough for us in these positions because you want to advocate for what you deserve, but at the same time, you don't want to give up opportunities. And I think that's really where we end up. Yeah, so it's it, we get stuck in that. And it just increases the disparities of racial inequities. We talk about last time we talked, or at one of our first, maybe the second episode, was about the racial wealth gap. And that's something that the student loan debt situation actually increases. So the economist for the appeal, Marshall Steinberg, his argument that the student loan debt exasperates racial inequities in four different ways, which I think are on point. For one, the racial wealth gap means non-white families have a harder time providing financial support to their kids who attend college. Number two, the labor market discrimination means people of color have to be more credentialed. Yes, that's right. Sounded right. weird. To get the same opportunities as their white counterparts, which we just exi- yeah, we talked yeah, about. Literally, We're talking I have about- to show up with the whole alphabet behind my name to get right. the same Maybe job. we just show up with like pictures like on our <laughs> shirts. Like this is this degree. This is this certificate. Right, right, I'm right. certified to do this. Number three, people of color face discrimination in the credit market. Again, we've already touched base on that. Getting a housing uh, mortgage, getting a car finance, getting anything, it is extraordinarily harder for a person of color. Then you add the amount of debt we carry for attempting this American dream, and boom, we're back in the worst spot possible. And then four, students of color are more likely to attend less resourced institutions and colleges. We just talked about that last episode. So to be quite honest, <laughs> like this, all this stuff, literally, this is why we say it's systemic, because it's literally every system, every process, everything is set up for the oppressor to be the superior person in the, at the end of the day. All right. And we're going to take a quick break for a commercial to pay our bills. Um, so we hope you come back with us in a couple seconds. Looking for a new skincare routine to boost your self-care days? Check out Phoenix Natural Skincare and explore a collection of skincare filled with antioxidants and olive oil. Known for its hydration and protection against skin aging, Phoenix Natural Skincare is the kind of skincare that makes you want to obsessively use it all day long. From the Rose Beauty Oil to the Honey Oak Cleansing Bar, each product breathes life back into your morning routine. Oh, and while you're shopping for oils and moisturizers, don't forget to order your crystal roller to give your face the massage it deserves. The best part is that it's women-owned and locally sourced. Follow them on Instagram at Phoenix Skincare, P-H-E-N-I-C Skincare. Welcome back to Don't Touch My Podcast. Today we're talking about student loan debt. And so we were just talking about some of the disparities and the financial implications that go into student loan debt and why it's weighted against people of color in a different way than other people. So post-secondary education has never been more necessary for employment, yet the cost of a degree has never been higher. 
This incentivizes large numbers of students and families to borrow exorbitant amounts in student loans to finance a degree that oftentimes is simply a minimum requirement for employment rather than an engine of social economic mobility. And it's funny that we talk about this because the data that you just talked about was just showing how it's only additional $300, $400 if you get a bachelor's degree. And so the other thing to that is that most people in that position, they're going to say, okay, I can only make an extra $300 is going to school for four years and accumulating $300,000, $400,000 in debt or whatever the case may be, even be worth getting um, it. Short answer, that's probably no. I feel the same. I feel like if we had Gary Vaynerchuk on this episode right now, he would say that's a bad choice because it doesn't make any sense. Your ROI, your return on investment is zip. And so what you were just saying about the minimum requirement for employment, I see all the time. I have a lot of like people in my network will always say, Giselle, do you know anyone that's hiring? And sometimes I just keep my ear to the ground and I'll say, oh, I know this person's hiring or I know that person's hiring. And I always ask, do you have a degree? Because I feel like before I even look at this, I just want to know. Um, And one person came to me and they said they had X amount of years experience in the digital media world and they were up for a position. And what I guess the company refused to hire them for the reasoning behind it was because they didn't have a bachelor's degree and the position was a union position. So it was a requirement. So it was a requirement. Yeah. However, the payment for the year was only $45,000. Let me get this straight. You want me (laughs) to go to school? (laughs) Right. You want me to go to school, pay $45,000 a year. Per year. Right. A year for my degree. So four years at $45,000. You do the math. Yeah, let's call it an even 200 grand. Then you want me to take a job that pays me $45,000. Without interest, because they don't pay you with interest. And the tax (laughs) man has to take their money. (laughs) Yeah. So at the end of the day. Right. So at the end of the day, you probably coming home at 28. (laughs) <laughs> yeah pretty so much. how does that add up it doesn't add up and i was i felt so bad for this person because i kept thinking i'm sorry what's the salary there was forty five thousand. Right, do you like, think it's worth me going i'm like oh, oh it's not worth it now if you already have it salutes to you and i hope that you are utilizing that degree to the best of your ability please if this is a shout out to to all of you guys if You're not 100% sure you want to be a doctor. Maybe don't get a degree in bio and then come out of college and say you want to be a photojournalist. I'm a strong advocate for going to community college. Go to community college. Pay $500 for classes. The first two years of college, you're only taking your prerequisites anyways. Take those prerequisites for $500 a class. Get a taste of what it's like. Right. First. Then you could say, okay, maybe I'm not interested in biology as much as I thought. Or maybe I'm interested in this because I took all my prerequisites and guess what? I really love fine arts or whatever. Like, we, they need to give kids more on long-term life planning as opposed to this is what you're going to do next kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. Especially for millennials, I feel like... Not that I feel, but it's been proven statistically that millennials jump from job to job more frequently. They Mm -hmm. have a job change in their resume 
more so now than any other generation yep. before. So yep. we're not the generation of our grandparents that were in the same warehouse or at the same secretary for job years. for 30 yeah, years. Right. And now they're getting a key to the city. And, that's and a just, pension. Because right. they don't even offer pensions in no, those jobs. You have to be like, point. yeah, part of a union, yep, a police yep, force, something yep. in that scenario. And so most of us are not that case. And we're looking to expand our knowledge and expand the abilities that we can do and expand our skill sets. And the way to do that is by moving frequently between jobs mm-hmm. also and getting opportunities yes. for me that's how i got opportunities in my career if i would have stayed at companies then i would have just stayed in their whatever trajectory and it would have took me forever but instead i left so that i could get better opportunities a thousand percent and that's an easier way to climb up that mm-hmm. quote-unquote corporate ladder Absolutely. if you see that your title that you want is somewhere else and you already have go that experience it. go, go apply it. Because most of all, the chances are you getting them are pretty high because you're coming with experience. You're coming with everything that you've been doing as your achievements in your current position that gets you ready. The company that you're with right now, they're just waiting for an open seat. They're waiting. They're doing nepotism throughout the company. They're giving positions to their friends and no, the people I that they like. I seriously tell people. It's the best thing. So through the pandemic, a thing that I learned, the thing that I learned was that you should never give everything into a company because they don't care about you. They care about their bottom line. And I used to jokingly tell people at my job, like, you could die tomorrow and they'll have somebody in your seat. Like, you, a need, thousand to percent. Stop. you need to stop playing that game. But at the beginning of the pandemic that actually happened, one of, one of my coworkers, he was in a different department. He got really sick. He was at work on Thursday. By Monday, we found out he passed away. That's terrifying. We didn't really know, like, COVID wasn't really out there at like that at that point. It was, like, right before the pandemic kind of blew up and everything shut down. I'm almost positive he probably didn't have COVID, but at that time, we didn't really know what it was. So whatever, he passes. I lie to you, not Giselle. But at following Monday, they had somebody in his office sitting. Like, they had hired somebody and somebody was sitting in his office. And all I kept thinking to myself, this is going to sound real Caribbean, but I'm like, did they even sage that off? Did they clean it? Did they Clorox it? Did they sage that sucker? (laughs) Or they just left it there with, like, his... They left it there with, like, his calendar open. Like, this is Monday. This is where you should be. You are now the new Phil. Right. Like, literally, his family came to pick up his stuff, let's say, the the following Thursday or Friday. And by Monday, they had somebody in there. That's disgusting. And that's when I said to myself, oh, they, like, that's really true. Everybody went to the funeral and we all, whatever. But at the end of the day, they just put somebody else in his seat. And that poor man, who knows if he was sick for a long time and he had time off and just didn't dare yeah, to ask. Yeah, and didn't dare to ask because he was being asked to do so. Who knows? Like I said, he was at work that Thursday and by Monday he was dead. So like he was clearly sick at work on Thursday. What? This no, is why we're saying, listen, if you're going to go to college... We're all about the education. You're talking about two oh, people absolutely. that Love, are yes. always educating themselves. And like Jen jokes around about this certificate that we're all about the education, but make it make sense for you and your yep. lifestyle. There was a quote earlier. It said 38.6% of Americans said that they were doing a job in which had nothing to do with the degree that they hold. Oh, listen, my bachelor's degree is in psychology. 
Jennifer. I'll do anything. <laughs> no, I used to, my dad used to tease me and say, oh, you made me waste all that money for you to have a degree you don't use. And I used to tease him back and say, I use it every day. I have to talk to people <laughs> A whole day. I use it more than you. I probably use it more than if I was a, a therapist. So recently, like, we opened the episode and we were talking about student loan debt forgiveness. And this platform that, that actually, I, Biden actually didn't run on that platform. But he did say that he would consider it if he became president. And I just want to talk about, like, really what that means. Broad scale forgiveness would continue the extension on the payment pause and smoothly transition borrowers to new services, increase protections for borrowers who attended a for-profit institution, strengthen repayment options, and make key investments in federal initiatives focused on affordability. So not only is it about forgiving $50,000 in student loan debt, but it's also about restructuring our financial process for supporting education, which frankly to me is more important than forgiving my a portion of my student loan debt at $50,000. It's about giving my children and Giselle's children and your children an opportunity not to be saddled by this debt. Because at the end of the day, I owe the money, Giselle, you owe the money, we're gonna have to pay the money regardless. So if they forgive the 50,000 or not, we're still paying. <laughs> so for me, it's not even about that. It's about how do we move forward as a country and make this a more level playing field for everybody. All too often, the narrative around college education tells Black Americans that if they work hard and get their degree, that they will be able to individually lift themselves and their families out of financial insecurity. However, the generation's old racial wealth gap, high cost of college attendance, and inequitable employment opportunities for Black workers only compound the barriers to their emotional stability so this is not pull yourself up by your bootstraps honestly i hate that phrase i hate that phrase this is not that and education is not going to save us if we can't afford to pay for said education and it just sets us up for more trauma throughout our lives yeah and it pushes us back for every two steps that we take forward we gotta jump three steps back every single time and i feel like Unfortunately, that's been the story of black people, not only in this country for the past 400 plus years globally. And every time we feel like we've made these steps forward, there's always some other things that are there weighing us down. Education is important. Giselle and I are not saying don't pursue education. We're just telling you be very smart and think about your education as an investment. Um, and really think about what is the return on this investment if I invest myself in myself. And I think another good point to this, too, is that being a tradesperson isn't a bad thing. Agree. Being a plumber, being an electrician, being a contractor isn't a bad thing. It's an opportunity for you to have your own business, set your own hours, and it's an industry that they're constantly losing people. People are reaching ages of retirement and retiring and doing their own thing. So trade school is always an option. Really look at what are your options 
for developing your education and moving on to that next stage in your life. And it doesn't have to be that fancy, expensive private university. It can be community college while you decide what you want to do. It can be going to a trade school or a vocational school for high school. It can be getting into a trade after and joining a union. It can be all those things. But you really need to look at education as an investment in yourself. So this is the Don't Touch My Podcast, season one, episode nine. Nine. (laughs) And we're here talking about the student loan debt. President Biden, if you're listening to us, we just want to say, cancel that student loan. Let us all go on with our lives, please. We're right. We're over We'll buy houses. We'll boost the economy. We'll do whatever you do. We will make it it so you don't go in a recession. Right, because it's about to happen. It's coming. It's coming. (laughs) So follow us, Don't Touch My Podcast, on Instagram and Facebook. Check out our website at don'ttouchmypodcast.com. Don't forget, this is the last week for education. And make sure to tune in next week.